Johnson, Perez! Johnny Evans, what a header! Oh, what an absolute cracker from Harvey Barnes! Oh, there's magic in that right boot! You're listening to Extra Time, live on LCFC Radio. Your place for all the reaction to the weekend's football. Yes, good evening. Welcome along to Extra Time here on LCFC Radio with me, Dan Bates, Matt Elliott and Tony Cotty. This evening as we look to dissect that fantastic win for Leicester City over Liverpool in the Premier League on Saturday. One of the the craziest games of the season, I think, that that Leicester certainly were involved in. Before we do any of that, we'll we'll do our our hellos and our welcomes. So, how are you, Matt? Yeah, I'm good, Batesy. You're about recovered from being freezing cold. I wasn't too bad. No, the... The excitement at the end warmed me up anyway, and uh, it, it wasn't a patch on Molyneux the week before in terms of uh, temperature, freezing temperatures, and uh, the 23s on the Monday night. It was pleasant relief, um, especially with that result and ultimate performance, wasn't it? What, what a day it was, and crazy seven minutes as everyone's spoken about, but um, ultimately, I, I hesitate to say a well-deserved victory, but a lot of praise is, is due, isn't it, for the way they managed to turn the course of the game round. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get onto it at, at some point this evening, but there's, there's a big narrative about Liverpool imploding, but yeah. Leicester made them implode and, and did really well in doing so. Uh, Tony, good evening to you. I'm, I'm sure you've got uh, your eye on the football. It looks as if we, we're having a few sound issues with Tony, are we? Yeah, we're having a few sound <laughs> issues with Tony. We'll come back to him. He's just pretending it's not going to work so he can just watch West Ham. That, yeah, that's, that's what, what he's it is, doing. We, we know the score. We've done a few times. We're on to him now, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we know the score. Uh, well, we can talk for a few minutes, I'm sure. Just the two of us, can't we, Matt? Oh, it's like, yes. Lovely, lovely time. Uh, yeah, I mean, how, how good was it, sadly? Let, let's talk about that seven minutes to start with because it was just madness, wasn't it? Yeah, crazy, wasn't it? Sequence of events and the decisions that were given and then retracted and spun around and turned on their head and as was the game, wasn't it? It was, it was, a, it was a difficult task to, uh, taking stock of everything really. But it, I mean, it, I, I found myself just chuckling away in the end thinking what is actually happening here. But everything that was happening was positive from a Leicester point of view, ultimately anyway, because, but you know, the, the, the mixture of emotions, wasn't it? it you know, Leicester sort of, coming back into the game when it looked unlikely in truth because I thought Liverpool you know, were definitely at least shading it overall. And when they take the lead, you fear the worst, don't you? Uh, but Leicester, as they have done before, and you know, I've heard certain people speak about it afterwards, James Madison included, you know, saying about their determination to be able to react from adversity and... You know, going going down in games, etc. It it doesn't finish them off. They have that resilience within them, and they showed it again at the weekend. You know, a lot of people, myself included, I suppose. You know, you fear the worst, don't you, when you go one down to the reigning champions? And and they were in decent form without being at their absolute best. But you know, they, they looked relatively impressive, Liverpool, on the day up until that point. But there, there was always hope for Leicester, and um, you know, that's a sign of of the quality, you need many attributes to be a good team. And it's not just all about skill and technique, it's resolve and togetherness and spirit and character, as well as many other things. And Leicester showed all of those uh, against Liverpool at the weekend. And I thought Harvey Barnes in particular. I mean, Wilfred and Deedee was unbelievable all game. But because Leicester didn't really get things going and Liverpool were 
well, they took the lead and probably, you know, the, the stronger side for the majority of the game. That went under the radar a little bit, but he was he was unbelievably good, Wilfred and Dini. Yeah. But then I, I always felt that Harvey Barnes was threatening to burst into the game. Alexander-Arnold didn't look like a defender that wanted to defend to me. He was gambling a little bit and he got away with it more often than not. But then as soon as Barnes sort of got the opportunity, Leicester had to go for broke a little bit, didn't they? And let Barnes off the leash a little bit, and we saw what happened. He was he was scintillating in the, you know, from from well, from that penalty incident onwards, they just couldn't handle him, could they? I wonder if it was maybe a plan of of Brendan Rodgers to to keep the game tight, whether it was nil nil or one nil to Liverpool or whatever it might have been, and, and just said to Harvey Barnes with twenty minutes to go, mm. unleash him, as as you said. Well, yeah, I think you know, ideally, I, I think Leicester, as they have done before against Liverpool, you know, struggled to get their game together really properly and again you know I've heard James Madison speak after the game about his not frustration but he, he and his teammates were finding it difficult because when they were in possession they were looking up and there was a lack of options there because having to work so hard defensively you had to Liverpool were impressive I mean you probably you, you see it you know on on the television screens or you can hear it if you're listening to it on the radio but when you're here live, you can see them operating and functioning as a whole unit. And they make it so difficult for teams to play out against them. And Leicester struggled a little bit on that. They were having to do well just to maintain possession, not really advance anywhere. And numerous times Leicester gave it away relatively cheaply and were back, you know, back defending. And it became, and not a bit monotonous, but it became a, a bit of a struggle for them. At times, you could see the frustration, but that's where they deserve a lot of credit because they stuck at it, persevered, and eventually found a way through. But the, the gold almost forced Brendan's hand because things were changed, weren't they? Because he went to that diamond um, when Perez came on and and put Barnes more, more central, but further up the field. Try and stretch them. Take a bit of a gamble, if you like, because it's not his orthodox position, is it, Harvey Barnes? But... You know, Vardy and Barnes trying to stretch him behind can test out any defence. And so it proved. And, yeah, Leicester were able to get up the pitch and Barnes did his stuff, didn't he? And then, I mean, Leicester were exceptional. I was, it was alarming, to be honest, how, how much Liverpool just, just fell to pieces, really. And I think that could be a big problem for them now. The, the way they... You had to look round and their heads were dropped. It, it wasn't... Okay, a couple of mistakes. It, it looked to me like Liverpool were eventually the the strain of having to deal without their two key centre backs. The the effect that has had mm. on their team. One of the factors being Henderson is out in the midfield, so you know it's added to their woes. But it seemed like they've been struggling through a period, and eventually it fell apart a little bit for them. And I I think that was a big factor. For, as if like eventually like they'd run out of resources to deal with the situation, I think it could have a negative effect on them going forward. You know, well for the rest of the season maybe. Yeah, you mentioned that at full time they've got a huge game themselves in in the Champions League this midweek, and then the Merseyside derby at the weekend. So yeah. it's a, a big week for for Jurgen Klopp and for Liverpool. If you're uh, if you're listening in on on Facebook or on Twitter, do get involved with the show. Dave Coop says. All right, boys, with three foxes heads. Uh, and Jilly Dehaven says, just wow, what a result. Again, with three fox emojis as well, which is nice to see. I know Jill. So that's Jill. 
There you go. Yeah, a nice little shout out <laughs> for you. Um, we've got a, a couple of questions. Uh, Tony Cotties has still got a few technical issues at the moment, so hopefully we'll be able to get him. Uh, it's still just me and you for now. Uh, we've had a question from Barrett on uh, on Facebook. He says, who do you think our, our best two centre-halves are at the moment? Oof, or maybe what, what combination of those? What a question. <laughs> oh, don't put me on the spot like that, because <laughs> where do you go with that one? Where do you go? I mean... Soyuncu and Fafana are unbelievable talents, aren't they? Um, he's. <laughs> I saw Soyuncu when he, when he not long had been at the club, in a development game, and he was, in truth, all over the shop, <laughs> down at all the shot against Chelsea. Hudson Odoi was up against him, and he was at sixes and sevens defensively, and I said to Lewis, who was, um, doing the main commentary on that day, looked at him thinking. You know, what's happening here with this player sort of thing he's had time to adjust and he looked nowhere near not long after that he got his opportunity and a few little hairy scary moments in the first team but he's become a crowd's favorite he's is an unusual thing for a center back he's quite exciting to watch and but he, he's refined his game and I, 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 he's an unbelievable center half really I no think. nonsense would be the way well well, th there's a lot of nonsense involved with him as well, though, isn't it? When he's twisting and turning, pirouetting in his own penalty box. and I mean, more for when attackers are running at him, he's no nonsense. Yeah, in the oh, yeah, no, he is. He, he, he's a bit of a conundrum, isn't he? Because, yeah, he no messing about. He's powerful. He's strong in the challenge. Decent in the air. He's not the tallest of centre-halves, but he, he's got a good leap, climbs well. Aggressive. He's quick. He can play. Uh, he reads the game better and better as he goes along. You know, he's all the key attributes. And he's just, they're not seven out of ten attributes either. <laughs> Each one of them is eight and a half, nine at the least. And that's a rare mix, to be honest. And, you know, it's not that long ago that everyone was raving, you know, going mental about him. And then his injury on the sideline, Fafana turns up. And all of a sudden, Soyuncu's not quite as important. I mean, still, don't get me wrong, he's not out of people's minds, but for far, you, you've got two so exciting centre-halves there to play, but I think certainly over recent weeks, and still is the case, it's still Johnny Evans and one other, because you need that blend, don't you? You need that mix. But if and when there comes a time for Fana and Soyuncu need to play together, and I think it'd be a natural consequence um, down the line. But once they get that little bit of experience, then what, what, what a pair that would be. I mean, there'd be the, the rare event of you're actually looking forward to watching two centre-halves entertaining you as well as impressing you. Because, you know, they've got that ability, haven't they? But do you know what? I, can, I couldn't be disrespectful enough to one of them to pick two out yeah. of three. If you know what I mean. Well, you've got a nice answer here. Steve Wells just says, Elliot and Taggart. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Right, I believe we've got uh, Tony Cotty back with us. Tony, can you hear us? And Matt, can you hear me? Yeah, oh, there we go. I was going to say it's the most sense Matt had talked all season, but it was like a Dalek. So I didn't hear, I've not heard a single thing. 
I'm sure he's been waffling and covering for me brilliantly over the last 15 minutes, but I, I'm really sorry. I mean, everything was great, and then all of a sudden the line dropped out, and it's, it's been hard work. But I'm, hopefully I'm back. If it, if it goes again, Dan, I don't know what I'm going to do. No, he's, he's done a great job. What, what I've said, Tony, is it's quite convenient that it's when West Ham are playing that you seem yeah. to be having a few technical I issues. I did say that to my missus, that, yeah, it might be God's way of telling me to watch West Ham. But no, <laughs> yeah. I'm with Dan. I'm Total Leicester up until seven o'clock. I promise you, total Leicester. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll give as many updates as we can on that game. It is currently still nil nil. West Ham were given a penalty. It was then overturned by VAR because apparently Craig Dawson uh, was offside. So yeah, still nil nil in that one. So Tony's still got our. Uh, We've still got Tony's full attention, even <laughs> for now. Um, it, we've been talking about the game and and that staggering seven minutes, Tony, of of the pendulum just swinging. It was it was an amazing last twenty minutes, wasn't it, the other day? Yeah, it, it was, Dan. I mean, I mean, as you well know, I, I work on a Saturday, so it's, it's always difficult for me to watch the game live when it's a half twelve kickoff. You know, I didn't actually get the chance to do that, unfortunately, because I, I love watching Leicester, especially in those um, early live games, but. I was listening on the radio and on the radio it was Liverpool this and Liverpool that, Liverpool this and Liverpool that. And I'm thinking, well, you know, the way it's going in, of course, Liverpool get a goal up and you think, and I, I'm just thinking, well, you know, that's it. They're going to go on and win the game and it's going to be one of those games. But, um, you know, just as you say, the last 20 minutes, like incredible, really. I mean, obviously beginning with the, the penalty that never was, that was given. And then you're thinking that the gods are actually smiling on Leicester then because the, the, the free kick goes in direct from James and, and then they're trying to disallow it for offside. And they had the old tape measure out when it, the millimetres were out again. And it's, it, it's driving me mad, I think, the offside rules. I think it's driving everyone mad. But, you know, no one had touched the ball, so I thought it was the correct decision. But, you know, to, for, for Leicester to turn that round, Dan, was, it, to me, it tells me everything about all the good things that we've been saying all season long. We've been talking about it, you know, every time we do this show or we do a live comms or whatever, you, you're always eulogising about Leicester, about their never-say-die spirit, the, the fact that they can be a goal down to the champions, and it doesn't worry them, it doesn't put them off their game. And then once they got that goal, yeah, they had a little bit of luck, obviously, with the second goal that Jamie scored. But, you know, it was just a fantastic way to turn the football match around. It's just such a shame the fans haven't been there to celebrate, because games like that, they're special games. Yeah, and, and that, Tony, has now put Leicester, well, currently, as it stands, with West Ham only drawing six points clear of fifth place, which is pretty impressive. Six points clear of Liverpool as well in fourth. 24 games now, what's that, 14 to go? Leicester are starting to build a little bit of a gap, but again, we know what happened last season. I think we've lost Tony again, so I'll, I'll pass this over to you again, Matt. Yep. We know what happened last season, um, so it's just about... Leicester learning from those mistakes, which is what we've heard from Brendan Rodgers in the last couple of weeks. He's talking about how much they've been able to learn from what happened last season. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've seen the signs that they've learned and developed a little bit from last year in their general play, in how they react within games that we've mentioned there. You know, Saturday being an ideal point in case, but also they've they've progressed there. Their abilities to win games in different ways as well, I think. You know, I've mentioned it a few times of late. They can sit back. Uh, we've seen evidence of that different parts of the season. You know, with a back three, uh, play on the counter and be devastating doing so. And you've got to look at the game at Man City, 5-2, um, <laughs> you know, to, to see evidence of that. Other games, they can turn it on its head a little bit and go and force the issue, go and squeeze teams, win the ball high up the pitch and be... All, you know, all action, high tempo affairs. Uh, and they can also control games as well. You know, if it's a bit of a, not even Stephen, but, you know, 
a game where two good teams put together, but, but Leicester can keep a hold of possession, dominate dominate the game, and um, or, or if in the lead, they can manage it and see the game out. There's got many facets to their play. And I think you know, that served them well, and it's given them that extra be belief, you know, because th th they've seen the results of it. And a lot of it does stem from uh, the manager. You know, he, he's shown a lot of foresight before fixtures and he implements you know, a plan up to a point. He gives them that freedom to go and play and express themselves as well, the individuality. But more often than not, what he says comes to fruition. And then the players develop great sense of belief from that uh, and, and confidence because they put a trust in what he says and then a, a trust in themselves to go and perform it. And I think... You know, and, and also, they've got that determination from the back end of last season, which, despite what anyone says, was hugely disappointing. Mm. You know, the, the okay, the you know, compensation out of it is Europa League, but Leicester could have and should have been in the, in the Champions League in that position they were in, even with a tailing off of form. But it, it didn't materialise. I think there's an extra resolve this time round, you know, to have that mental strength as well on top of the the attributes you know that, that we've just spoken about in terms of their general play so there's more of a more of a belief about them is there's more substance to them this year you say you feel yeah and they've got a man that's banging form that is harvey barnes let's hear now from the leicester city midfielder who said they fancied their chances of getting a result before kickoff yeah well i think looking at them you, you know that they're a great side um but you look at their recent form and and a few of their results we knew that if we turned up um We'd have a great chance against them. We've been really good against the, the big teams this year, so we didn't come into the game not believing in ourselves. We knew that if we turned up, we'd definitely get a result. Um, I think that showed today. As soon as we got the first goal, we, got, we had the belief to go and get the second and the third and, and kill the game off. So um, I think we're obviously really pleased, but it's not a, a massive, massive shock to us. We know that we're, we're more than capable of that with the quality we've got in our squad. Yeah, well, what do you make of what Harvey Barnes had to say there, Tony, particularly about the confidence going into that game with Liverpool? Yes, we know that Liverpool were on a, a bit of a dodgy run themselves, but it's still the team that have, have had these fantastic few seasons. But there was a confidence in this Leicester group that they can get a result. And, and they knew that they were able to get that result that they did on Saturday. And quite rightly so as well, Dan. I mean, I, I think this, this current crop of Leicester players, I think they genuinely believe, with good reason as well, that they are a, a genuine top four team. They, they, they've earned the right to be there. I mean, they, as Matt touched on, they were so unlucky last year, really. They should have qualified for the Champions League. But I think that spurred them on even more. And, you know, to, to go into a game against what is a very good Liverpool team, we all know that. We, we all know what happened earlier in the season where, where Liverpool uh, dominated the play against Leicester at Anfield made it very difficult for everyone. Um, but they, they've got genuine belief in themselves that they, they can take on the top teams, and which, which is great. And that's what you need. You need confidence. Matt also spoke about the manager. And you know, we were both lucky to play under Martin O'Neill. And you've got to believe in the manager. You, when, when a manager talks to you and he tells you things and he asks you to do things, and you, you've got to believe that that manager believes you can do it. And I think these players, got that, they get that same feeling from Brendan Rodgers. You know, they, they feel like he tells them things. Like, you know, like they, they tweak the formation in the second half and that was, that was a plan. It wasn't something they just dreamt up or, you know, changed it during the game. There was a plan actually been spoken about to change it, to make things happen for them. So, yeah, I mean, this is a very talented squad, very talented players, and, and they are good enough to not only 
compete against the, the top four teams or the other so-called top four teams. They're good enough to beat them as well. And there's a, there must be a real confidence in the club at the moment. Yeah, there's been a couple of setbacks, but you're going to get that during the course of the season. You can't go through the season winning every game. It's, you know, not unless you're Man City, obviously. You're not going to do that. It, and even then, they've lost a few games as well. So, you know, you, you're going to have little blips. But to bounce back like Leicester have done in the last two or three games has been excellent to watch. And, and I guess in a way, Tony, that the... Minute that Mohamed Salah scored that goal for Liverpool kind of encapsulated Leicester's season in, in moments where they've had bad moments in games, they've been able to respond and, and they did that actually in a game and, and were able to come back so brilliantly. I think we've just lost Tony again. <laughs> Picking his choosing. Yeah, exactly. He's choosing his moments, just isn't he? Seven time West Ham go forward. Switched on BT quickly, yeah. <laughs> I can hear oh, you, back. Matt. I he's can back. hear what you're saying about me. <laughs> uh, I can't help it. Matt, no, it drops out. The, honestly, it's the most awful noise comes through. And I don't hear a word <laughs> you're saying. We have to try and fix it. And then when I come back, you're just having a go at me for pretending <laughs> that I'm watching West Ham. I'm not watching West Ham. Uh, no, I was saying that, that the point you were making, Tony, about the way that they come back at times, at moments this season, well, they did that actually during a game, obviously, after Mohamed Salah got that goal. So it's, it's great to see. Yeah, it is, Dan. It is fantastic. And, you know, I, I love that about a team. You know, I think all, all the good teams over the over the years, and there's been many, many outstanding teams, obviously, in you know, over the years in football. Um, but all the good teams, all the good teams, they have, they have that belief. And you have to have it. You have to have the confidence. You have to have the belief uh, that if you go a goal behind, and the most important thing, and what I like about this Leicester team is, if they go a goal behind, they, you don't see mass panic. You don't see them hoofing the ball down the pitch and, not trying to do the things that they've already been doing. They just, they take it in their stride. They go, okay, well, we've conceded a goal. You know, that's going to happen every now and again. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. And they carry on doing it. And, you know, to do that against the champions tells you everything you need to know about Leicester. And, you know, in the end, you know, they thoroughly deserve those three points, precious three points against the reigning champions. It, it, it was such, as we've spoken about, the, the madness of that eight, seven or eight minutes. So much was forgotten about in, in that Wilfred and Didi's break up of possession and the ball yeah. to Harvey Barnes that created the third goal. Yeah, for the umpteenth time. Yeah, exactly. Even okay. James Madison's delivery for the, the goal slash it was a cross-come shot, wasn't it? Obviously went in the back of the net. There was so much good play. Harvey Barnes's run that led to the free kick. People have forgotten so much about that game because yeah. of the madness of that eight minutes. It was hard to kind of, you as a co-commentator, analyse each individual goal. I, I listened to it back after the game, you were literally talking about the first goal as Chris had to cut you across because Jamie Vardy got the second. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, it was all, all happening, that's for sure. And yeah, I mean, in between the second and the third, Harvey Barnes um, did amazingly well. He actually, it, it was an even better run for, for this attempt that I'm just about to talk about than it was for the third goal because, it, well, the defence just opened up, didn't it? The waves parted, didn't they? Pretty much for Harvey on that, but before that, he just left three defenders in his midst, in his wake, wasn't it? Um, you know, cut through Allison, decent save, and the follow up by Vardy, which I thought initially was over the line, but it was a miraculous save, wasn't it? Um, how he kept that one out, I don't know. <laughs> and then he goes and, you know, he could do the difficult stuff on the day, but the um, more mundane uh, stuff was. Uh, out of his reach, wasn't it, um, on, on this particular occasion? But, yeah, I, let, let's, even in the first half, then, again, you know, overall, 
Liverpool, I mean, Jurgen Klopp heard him talking. He's saying, you know, oh, a fine performance you know, up until the goal. And it, 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 was, it wasn't Liverpool at their best, but it, it was a decent performance for them. But they were still vulnerable. You know, Vardy had two or three mm. decent opportunities. One that 19 times out of 20 would have stuck away when he hit the bar. I don't know if it would have been given offside. Not quite sure on that one. Had uh, a header, but he would, would, should have done better. Um, you know, there were a couple of other instances as well. So Leicester were always in the game. It wasn't a backs-to-the-wall job by any stretch of the imagination. Leicester were trying, trying to play on an even keel against Liverpool, which is what I wanted to see. Because yeah. e even though they weren't actually at their best, Liverpool make it hard for you to play well. But I, I, I thought it was good because Leicester weren't ever submissive in that game. You know, they, they were trying to do things. It wasn't always coming off, but... They had to go for broke a little bit because they conceded the goal and it paid dividends, but it showed what they're capable of when, you know, when they get their pecker up. Leicester are, are dangerous and, yeah, it was great to see. It, it was such entertaining stuff. It was, like you say, it sort of overrode everything else in the game sometimes. And some of the criticism at Liverpool has been a bit over the top. But I, I do feel that that could have long-term damage, damaging effects for Liverpool because... I saw them dispirited in the end. They were dishevelled. You know, they were ragged. If that game had gone on for another 20 minutes or so, you know, Leicester could have got four, five, six, and it would it would have been, you know, devastating for them. But um, on the day, three was enough, and Leicester would be happy with their work, wouldn't they? Yeah, one man that was certainly happy with his work was James Madison, who equalised for Leicester City, and he talked us through an eventful game from his perspective. Oh yeah, we went behind. Went behind. Um, and a credit to us because there was times last year when we'd go behind and I think that's something that we've really improved on is that when we do go behind we stay calm we say before if we go a goal behind that happens it's football we've got the mentality now to to understand that you do go behind in games sometimes you're not always going to win uh, score the first goal and win 3-0 or 2-0 um, so we went behind Credit to the gaffer, we changed the system, I don't know if you noticed, but we went to a little diamond, so it was a lot narrower and, and, and a lot of more central central type players on the pitch with Barnsley going up front with Vards. And it just changed the dynamic of the game for us. We were able to get out more on the, on the transition because at times, in the first half, especially talking from a personal point of view, it's hard to, when, when we get the ball on the transition, I look up and, it, and it's just Vards and it's and it's tough because Liverpool pin you in, you have to defend for long periods. and. And it's this is probably easier to give it away because you've got one man to hit, and if he comes short and I go long, then we're back in the same same position of, of having to defend again. But uh, we got more numbers more numbers in the central areas of the pitch and, and killed them on the transition. So um, a crazy seven minutes, especially with the VAR and it being a goal, not a goal, penalty, no penalty. But um, they're the swings of Premier League football these days, and um, I thought we dealt with it brilliantly and, and come away with a very deserved three points. Yes, a very happy James Madison there speaking uh, after the game, after that brilliant win over Liverpool. Tony, we, we heard from him there speaking about Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, Matt was talking about the, the change in formation midway through that second half that he made. You've seen it firsthand this season and last season, what Brendan Rodgers can do during games and how he can adapt. And, and we saw it come to fruition again yesterday. Yeah, it did. And I mean, that's always, always a sign of a, a good manager, I think, that, that, that you, you, you have to see the issues early and you know if there are issues you've got to tweak them you've got to make it you've got to make a change or you've got to do something different than that and I think nowadays is you know football is so much more varied I, you know I think in in the 
the good old days of the 80s, etc. Your 4 4 2. Yeah, of course, we played a 3 5 2 at Leicester, but that was about it, really. It was it was only really sort of a couple of formations, but now you see so many different formations. You see diamonds, you see two holding midfielders, one holding midfielder, you see three, four, threes. You see, there's all sorts of various things that the managers bring in and try and everything. But in, in terms of, it's all right having the options of doing that. But as a, as a top coach and as a top manager, you've got to be able to identify that. And that's what I like about Brendan. I like his changes. I think his changes, they, they normally make a difference. And yeah, of course you get it wrong sometimes, but I, I think you've got to get it more, more right than wrong. And I think Brendan does that with the changes. He tweaks the formations as well. He's not afraid to, to play some a lot Ricardo at left back and just do something a little bit different or bring a Marty in at right back. He's not afraid to do that. And I, you know, it's just a sign of a, an excellent manager. I, I think personally, I think Brendan's getting better and better as a manager in terms of all these decision makings, which is great. And I think that rubs off on the players because, as I've said previously, I said there's so much trust there now with the manager and the players and the manager. And you have to have that trust. You've got to believe that what you're doing, you're doing the right thing and you're trying to do the right things. And at the moment, you know, I think the players and the manager are getting it right. Yeah, it's great to hear. And I'm sure there's Leicester fans everywhere that are full of confidence in Brendan Rodgers and, and how the group are doing at the moment. Let's do our Who's the Fox uh, for this evening. We can get this up on the screen so those of you that are listening uh, or watching in uh, with us on social media can get involved with the show and tell us who you think that is. Now, we've put it up for a reason. Obviously, that was the last goal scored by Leicester City in a European knockout game. So... We've chosen that from that game. Don't oh. obviously tell us if you've got it, Matt, straight away. But judging no, from your face, I don't think you have got it. No, but, but it, it looks like it'd be one of the Atletico defenders. But <laughs> obviously not. Um, who's that then? Right. You've got a bit of an idea, I can tell. I think if you were to guess, you would... I'm having a bit of a struggle there. Well, let us know it's, then. It's well, Iosi like Perez, but obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll put it up on um, on Twitter and on Facebook. So get involved and, and comment and see if you can get it. Uh, but it's quite a difficult one this week. Okay. 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 Uh, yes. Uh, Just leave it there for now. Yeah. That was the last goal scored by a Leicester player in a European knockout game. I'm, I'm sure you were probably here for it, weren't you? Yeah. Our stadium. It isn't King Power Stadium, though, Thursday for the next one. Hopefully, we'll see a Leicester City goal, of course. What are you expecting? Long way to go. Big yeah, game. I mean, heads heads are still in the clouds a little bit, um, you know, about goings on and events of, the, of last weekend, aren't they? Because it's still being talked about. More so in general quarters from the Liverpool aspect in terms of how it will affect them and Jurgen Klopp's future, etc. But... Uh, yeah, from a Leicester point of view, there's still, you know, which is a dangerous thing, they're still sort of revelling in it a little bit, which supporters, of course, are entitled to do, but players have got to refocus. They'll be, you know, acclimatised and adjusted to doing that, particularly this year when, when they've done it exceptionally well. I mean, the game's coming thick and fast, as everyone knows, but Leicester, by and large, haven't let that affect them. And, you know, that is one of the reasons why. There's so much inconsistency shown by a lot of teams, I think. But what was it? Playing Saturday, they'd probably be uh, grateful for that extra sort of day <laughs> to to reassess. You know, can get over the euphoria of Saturday by by today, really, and then you know, properly get it out of your system, focus up for for the challenge ahead, which is 
you know, a, a, another exciting passage of, of Leicester City's times at the moment. You know, it, it, it's another historical game, isn't it? I know they've done well in the Champions League, you know, reaching the quarterfinals, but getting to this stage in the Europa League has never happened before for the club. And, you know, it's another milestone. But they don't want that to be the end of the road. They, they've got the potential and the belief, and we've seen at the weekend, the ability, you know, to go very far in this competition. And they'll go into it, favourites, but they need to be as tuned in as they have been the majority of the time this season. If they do that, whichever team Brendan puts out, um, and I think it will be pretty strong because I don't think, obviously, we've got the game against Villa coming up and there's always another game, things to worry about, but you know, deal with the, the case in hand at that time. And you know, that is uh, Praha on Thursday and it's Europa League. That is their priority at the moment. You know, it's different to the week before the FA Cup. You know, Liverpool come to town. It was Wednesday, Saturday lunchtime. Turnover. You had to bear it in mind. And why that still be a factor to a degree? If they're tuned in and on their game, without knowing too much about um, Slavia Praha, but Leicester will go through. Should go through. You know, if they're on their game. But this is where the professionalism, you know, really kicks in at this part of the season, a little bit of tiredness, mentality-wise, etc., whatever you want to call it, you know, fatigue from uh, the, their exploits. But if they can see it through, and that determination is there that Tony's mentioned earlier, you know, you've got to fancy them. But exciting times, every game, every game is huge at the moment, isn't it? Whether it's Cup, Europa Cup, Premier League, wonderful times. Yeah, how do you think Brendan Rodgers and Leicester will approach the game at Tony on Thursday? Obviously, it's a, a long way to travel before that game away at Villa at the weekend. Yeah, I think you just got to get the balance right. I mean, yes, of course, it's a long way to travel. But, you, but what you don't want to do, you don't want to fly out with a, an understrength team, a weak team, and then you get turned over two or three nil. It might be freezing cold out there or something. You have one of those nights where everything goes wrong. And then you, you, you've absolutely slaughtered yourself for the second leg. You know, the, the, the main thing, forgive me if I'm repeating anything Matt said, Dan, because I missed the first part of what he said, but you, with the European football now going forward, we're into a different game, obviously, because before it was all on a league basis. Now you're going into where it's a two-legged affair and, you know, away from home, you've just got to keep it tight. You've got to try and get a result, grind out a result if necessary. It doesn't matter if it's a draw. You know, you just got to make sure you stay in the tie and just get them back to the to the, the stadium. Make sure that we, you know, we've got given ourselves a chance in the second leg. That's what it's all about come Thursday, I think. So from that point of view, Brendan has to be careful. You know, there's always players that maybe have a little tweak or something, or you might want to rest players. But if you go there, for example, without Jamie Vardy, and then you then need a goal later on in the game, it, you've got to be really careful with it. So. I think he'll, he'll probably take a, a full squad of players. Whether he'll pick the full team or his first-choice team remains to be seen. But it's just really, really important from Leicester's point of view. Stay in the tie. Just make sure you're in the tie. And when it comes around to that second leg, then you give it a real charge up and hopefully get through to the next round. I've said it before and I'll say it again, Dan. Leicester are more than capable of winning this tournament. More than capable. They've got the players. They've got the talent. They've got the manager. They've got everything in place. They've just got to make sure there's no silly slip-ups and that can easily happen in a game like this. Yeah, it wouldn't be a surprise from my point of view, Tony, you're touching on that subject, to see Leicester employed like the back three back out there in the first leg. As Tony's saying, you know, nice and secure and steady, still with that potential to get would, goals. Would you take like a nil-nil now? 
Well, do you think that would be a good result? Yeah, I think personally? so. I think you take take a draw um, of whatever score, knowing what Leicester can do here at the King Power. But they're capable of more. You know, I, I don't think they'll go out there just to see it, you know, see it out and hang on to what they've got prior to kickoff. But I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe you know, at this stage, that the players are not that experienced. Um, you know, generally through, throughout the team in in dealing with you know, European situations, like Tony mentions, there it is a different kettle of fish, and getting that mentality to sort of manipulate and manage the situation. So, but Leicester have still got potential. They played with a back three, so back five before, and and scored as many goals as they do with a with a back four. Man City being another point in case, but um, yeah, no, I, I, listen, they can go into it with lots of confidence as well, though, isn't it? It's not just a bit, you know a new exciting experience for them. Now they're beyond that. Uh, the, a lot of these players have played in Champions League, um, you know, one. In one, one respect or another, or, or but they've had the European Europa League experience now. It, it, they've got over that initial excitement and buzz. Now it, it's about professionalism and applying themselves properly, and they're more than capable uh, of getting through this tie. Yeah. Good evening, Craig, who's listening on on Facebook. Craig Bennett, one of our usual listeners, says we should go for Europe. That's exactly what uh, Tony Cotty was saying there. What I would say, Tony, though, is, is you look at the uh, the Czech first league at Slavia Prague, played nineteen. Won 16, drawn three, lost zero. And they won 3 0 at the yep. weekend. So they're clearly a very, very good side that, that will be full of confidence, judging from, the, uh, judging from the table over there. Yeah, and I listen, I don't think there's any way that Leicester will go out there thinking, oh, this is easy, we'll just turn up and we'll go through. They won't be allowed to do that by the manager, and the players themselves won't do that. And they'll, they'll know he's. It, it, football's changed and from the point of view now with Europe you know you, you don't go out to these European places no matter how far away they are thinking like we don't know anything about the opposition those days have long gone you know they will probably get a dossier off the manager saying this is what they do this is their best players this is what we've got to be careful with and they will put in a professional performance to, to go around that but you've also got to be careful that you don't go out there thinking oh wow this is a really top team it, it, they're playing in the Czech League so you've got to put it in perspective this is a Leicester team that are currently third in the Premier League and a top team full of confidence. If I was one of those Leicester players, I would just be chomping at the bit for every single game. You know, it, it, it would have suited me down, and Matt would tell me, it suited me down at the hill because there's no training. You hardly do any training. You just play the game, but I didn't want to train anyway. So it would have suited me perfectly to be able to just keep playing all these games. But every week, Matt touched every week there's something different happening. You're in all these competitions. It must be fantastic. And as a player... You just want to, you just look forward to it so that you forget about travelling. You turn up the game. Hopefully, they'll do that professional job that we're we're all talking about and just bring the, the game back to the KP and have a real good chance of getting through. Yeah, another point on on the players in that sense, Tony, is that you think about how well Leicester are doing this season, how well certain players are doing. Those players that are on the bench that that may get a game Thursday will obviously want to impress, but the players that have been impressing will want to carry on playing because they'll also know that they've got someone breathing down the necks that might come in and, and that underlines how good this squad is. Yeah, absolutely. And you and you need that as well. You need you need to know that there's someone on the bench who can come on and, and take your place. You know, and we've seen it with the defensive positions, particularly this year, you know, in terms of Alfred Farner done and Castagna done and James Just Justin has done, you know, those players <laughs> excuse me, that wasn't a, you know, wasn't a part of things last year. You know, they've come in and been absolutely brilliant. And they've, they've made the likes of Soyuncu and Ricardo come back 
and fight for their place. And, you know, you never would have said that at the start of the season. So, you know, it's fantastic what they've done with that squad. They've really, really got competition for places. Then you need that. And there'll be the likes of someone like perhaps Ian Acho who might play. He's been playing in some of the European games and played very well. You know, and he might be fancying his chances to, to start and have a game. Perez didn't start at the weekend, did he? He, he will be wanting to play. So, you know, there's, there's real competition in the squad. I know we've lost a couple of players through injury. But there's still that depth for squad. They're really, really good players that can come in. And as I said, it's just important that um, the manager gets the balance right. And that, you know, make sure you play. I always think it's better to play. If you're going to play, it's better to play a strong team than to rest three or four of your top boys and then bring them on when you're losing 2-0 and chasing the game. It's always better to start with a strong team. You can always bring them off if the game goes well and you're cruising, you can bring them off. If it's not going so well, you know, you can just manage the game and bring the players on when you need to do it. But Brendan's spot for choice now, which is great news. Yeah, there's a nice little debate going on on, on the Facebook comments section of this. Uh, Mark Smith says, one apiece would be an OK result on Thursday. The away goal will be important as ever. And Dean Rhodes disagrees with what I said. I, I said, would nil-nil be an OK result, a good mm. result? He says, play the best 11 and get a, an away goal. Nil-nil wouldn't be a good result because at home, obviously, any mistake can cost an away goal. Away form is stronger during this lockdown period anyway, um, so need to go for it in that away game. Yeah, to a degree. It's got to be measured, hasn't it? I think, um, yeah, if you want to draw, yeah, <laughs> ideally you get those away goals, don't you? But... Uh, if it's not the case, if it was to be nil-nil, I'd still be pretty confident Leicester could see the job through here in the return leg. Um, a balancing act, really. Balancing mm. act, isn't it? And, you know, you, there's so many things to consider. The state of the players in terms of, you know, fatigue levels, who's looking a little bit jaded, who's not, who's on top of their game, who's got a little niggle, etc. So, yeah, I mean, it's difficult for us, you know, to, to sort of analyse it from afar without knowing the details. But... I think Brendan Rodgers will go pretty strong. I mean, the depth in the squad, the squad is still there with the injuries, um, although it gives him obviously less flexibility, Brendan Rodgers. But at the same time, at this moment in time, without with those injuries being taken into consideration, the team pretty much picks itself as well. Mm. <laughs> you know, I think most people would would have picked, for instance, that team on Saturday that started, most people would have picked that. And you could see it happening. So, um, you know, whilst there is competition for places, there's a little bit of a, uh, not pecking order, that's the wrong wrong thing to say, but you know, you, you've got that first 11, haven't you? But, but the players who come in at the same time don't really, certainly in the defensive and midfield areas, don't weaken the team at all. Uh, indeed, he's a massive figure, isn't he? You know, he he does. He's a difference maker. You can put Chowdhury and Mendy in it, more than capable. Uh, Tillemans alongside him, but and indeed he makes that little bit of difference. Jamie Vardy makes that difference, but, but it's uh, it's difficult, isn't it? <laughs> Being a manager, picking and choosing, but it changes from like, you know, fortnightly really, because there's sometimes Perez comes in. If he comes in as a couple of good games, right, say he starts on Thursday, all of a sudden. You know, Mark Albrighton's struggling for his place. But it wasn't so long ago that Mark Albrighton was considered uh, backup, shall we say, for want of a better word. But he's forced himself into that first-team reckoning, and deservedly so. So players have got you know, lots to play for. And, um, 
Well, there's lots of involvement as well. They'll get plenty of opportunities between them. Yeah, and, and whether it is Kelechi, Inacho or, or Jamie Vardy or Jose Perez, Tony, whoever it might be that plays in that position for Leicester, we know that, that they'll go into the game probably confident. You were at Craven Cottage, weren't you, for the game at Fulham where Inacho got that, that header. You called for him to start the game. He started it well. He's got three Europa League goals, three assists as well in, in this competition. So he knows how to find the back of the net. Yeah, he's a good player. I'm a fan of his, Dan. You know, I like I like him. You know, I, I know sometimes you, know, you can say that he doesn't get into the game how you would expect. He, you know, he he doesn't he doesn't lead the line in the same way as Jamie. He leads the line in a different way. He's a different type of player, but you get a different option with him without a doubt. And as I've always said, he's a very very good finisher, and he's he's a great player to have in your squad. That you know, if you feel that you, you know, we, we don't know how Jamie's feeling. Jamie might Jamie might be needing a little bit of a rest. He'd just come back from a, an injury where he, he missed the games, didn't he? You know, he's also had a spell where he, he wasn't scoring. He's now got his goal, so he'd want to play. So you've just got to manage him. We know that. There's really, really important games coming up as well as this one on Thursday. So you've got to manage Jamie Vardy. But in Ian Acho, I think there's a perfect player to come into the team and just lead that line and just give give the team something something different, you know, and then you can make the changes and fiddle around with things. You know, but it is it's always a, a bit of a risk taking Jamie completely out of, in other words, leaving him behind. I think that's always a bit of a risk. I think he should be in the squad. I think he should travel and then you make your call there. But if Jamie doesn't play, Ian Acho's a good replacement. Exactly. Yeah, we, we were lucky Tony Cotty was off camera a couple of minutes ago because West Ham have taken the lead. So we didn't have to see him fist pumping his Essex home. So it's West Ham one. I'm all Leicester tonight. Yeah, you said that until (laughs) halftime, until halftime. Yeah, West Ham one, Sheffield United nil. Declan Rice got the goal. Uh, It's a couple of minutes until the break in that one there. Um, West Ham and and Aston Villa, they they were among the the two clubs that Leicester lost back-to-back games, didn't they, early on in the season at home. It's, It's Aston Villa up next, of course next weekend there'll be an element of of revenge or wanting to get one over on them again next Sunday they want to get the result that's for sure yeah and a bit of added spice maybe on recent history and well and and past history as well to be honest with uh going back to our day there was there was a bit of competitiveness between the two teams but and of course like last season in the Carabao Cup going out at the semi-final stage somewhat unexpectedly uh, that hurt Leicester, didn't it? Because at the time, you know, they were strong favourites, really. And, and since then, Aston Villa, you know, have gone from strength to strength, haven't they? And a decent outfit in their own right these days. And, uh, of course, Jack Grealish, but they have numerous other players who, who can cause Leicester City problems. But, um, uh, yeah, I think overall, uh, Villa, Villa will, will relish the, the challenge, won't they? But at the same time, I think they've got more to worry about than Leicester have. But like any game, you know, it's 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 going to uh, it's going to be a challenge for you know for both sides. But Leicester, the way they're going at the moment, you know, Villa weren't particularly impressive against Brighton, and okay, they, you know, they've got a point. There's a points difference. They've got games in hand, and it's if they win them, then they can be up in and around, not not far behind Leicester, but. They've got to go and win those games, and at the weekend could be uh, could be huge for Leicester. Yeah, and it, it's going to be difficult, isn't it? On the back of, you know, typically on the back of, especially an away game in Europe on a Thursday, to go and recharge yourself for a big fixture like that, you know, that that will that will 
pick up Aston Villa's sort of senses, if you like. They'll be they'll be thinking, right, this is a good moment to take take Leicester on and perhaps you know get another result over them. But Leicester need to be ready for that. But Leicester have got to be prepared and deal with these challenges if they're going to you know be playing at the level that they want to be, that they are, and you know, remain there. But so far they've stood up to those challenges exceptionally well, exceptionally well, I believe. You know, for their first taste, really, as th as this group uh, in European football and to continue the form they have in the league has been top class. So, But a mouth-watering fixture at the weekend, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Tony, I don't know if you'll remember, but um, well, you probably won't remember the exact date, but 22 years ago on Wednesday uh, it was the second leg against Sunderland in, in the League Cup. Um, which obviously booked your place at Wembley. I know you didn't go on and, and win that competition, but that was a, a pretty impressive semi-final for you on a personal it, note. He remembers it? the night out afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, actually, I think I stayed up in Leicester after the game, so I do remember the night out, yeah. Less, um, less said about uh, the night out, the better, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably probably a good idea. But no, I mean, it was, it, it was a, a great personal night for me and it was... It was one of them games, you know, we've been talking a lot about managing games and I, I felt we really managed the game well that night. I mean, the only obviously downside was we, we conceded a goal because we, we really should have won the game two or three nil. You know, we was always dangerous on the counter attack. And obviously I scored my, my two goals and it was just frustrating that we, we scored that goal, which made it a little bit more interesting in, in the second leg when that came around. But no, just really, really happy memories, Dan. And um, I mean, the, the main thing I remember really was like for from my first goal, I remember Frank Sinclair running down the right wing and I knew when Frank was going to cross the ball, he was never going to get it to the far post. It was always going to drop to the near post. So I made me run to the near post and got a little flick to flick it past the keeper and both goals with me left foot that night as well. And everyone said I couldn't kick with my left foot. So it was always nice to uh, put a couple in with the left foot. But um, no, just wonderful memories. And then to, to, to get the draw in the second leg as well and I scored the goal as well that took us to Wembley. You know, the well documented what happened in the final but yeah no just really really great memories and you know just I just look back on my time at Leicester with you know that three years was such a special time in my football career you know with great great friends and great players that I played with and I just had a wonderful time and that was just one of those really good nights where it all came together for me and for the team. Yeah it's quite fitting I think that we're talking about that which was obviously a two-legged game ahead of Leicester's game on, on Thursday Tony just because in that first leg as you said that you were 2-0 up you should have probably won 3-0 but you conceded that goal is that a is it like a mental thing when you're playing when you know it's the first leg and normally you'd be 2-0 up and you'd think we're about to get three points here in a Premier League game it doesn't really matter kind of if we do concede but in in that sense you conceded a goal and you think okay they're right back in the tie does your mindset change going into a knockout game like that? Yeah, it does. And I think that was, that was the point I was trying to make about the, you know, how it's it's different now with the what Leicester are going into with this two-legged game against Slavia. Because you know, when you're playing in that Europa League, you know, look, listen, in the Europa League, you, you can have an absolute nightmare. You could get stuffed 6-0 at the worst performance of the season, but you've still got five more group games left. Mm. Whereas with this one, you can't afford to have that night off where you, you everything's all over the place you get heavily beat because then you you know that you're not going to get through or you've got very little chance of turning it around in the second in the second leg listen I, I know listen I remember I think Liverpool lost it they to visit 3-0 to Barcelona or something ridiculous and beat them in the second leg you know a few years back so it, you can turn it around but you 
you, you, you can't you can't win it in the first leg, but you can certainly lose it. I think that's what I'm trying to say, Dan, and that's yeah. where it's different. It's not like a normal away game in the Premier League where you know if if you if you're winning and cruising, if you concede a goal, it doesn't really matter. You know, conceding a goal that made a big difference to our second leg in that semi-final all those years ago. And so if you put in a poor performance or even if you get an away goal, if you lose 2-1, that could make a big difference going into the second leg. So, yeah, I mean, two big games coming up. You know, the Villa game at the weekend's one to really, really look forward to on a Sunday. But Leicester have got to get it right first in Europe. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, I think that's probably what makes European knockout football so entertaining, Matt, is, is that... I really like away goals, personally. Yeah. I think it adds a great dimension. And as Tony said, you lose a game 2-1 away, you win it 1-0 at home and you're through. Yeah, exactly. And I think that we touched on it earlier, that Leicester, they don't panic in situations. They are a good enough side. And although relatively young, there's a good mix of experience within the team. And through the experiences that they've gone through together, under the guidance of Brennan Rogers, you know that they don't get ruffled if things don't quite go to plan. Very, very rarely does everything go quite how you want it to do. So you have to deal with these bumps along the way, and don't let it knock knock you out of your stride. And Leicester have, have done that exceptionally well, and that can happen in European football, you know, more than anywhere really, because. Yeah, ideally, yeah, say they want to go nice and steady and tight away from home, look to pinch a goal or two, um, you know, if the opportunity arises. But listen, there might be a mistake by someone or someone pulls one, you know, out the bag from nowhere in the opposition. They go a goal down. But realise it's it's a marathon, not a sprint, really, in this situation. There's two games to deal with it. Um, and, and it just... Obviously, that... Very rarely are teams in control from the start and it goes swimmingly. You know, you have to adjust as the situation goes along, but but also, you know, maintain the structure of your game. And Leicester have been very good at that in Premier League games. And I think they've got the ability and the belief in themselves that, you know, ultimately they will have enough, um, whatever, come what may, whatever circumstances they face. You know, certainly in this tie, down the and hopefully down the line. But... Uh, Time will tell, time will tell. But like you, like you say, it's exciting and there's so many, you know, so many possibilities that can occur, isn't it? And no one, no one quite knows what's going to happen, least of all the players. But it's, uh, yeah, it's exciting times for the club and looking forward to seeing how they get on. Yeah, it was, it was certainly exciting the last time that Leicester City were in a knockout game in Europe. That's the subject of our Who's the Fox uh, this evening. So we can get that back on your screen. Matt, you've got that wry smile on your face. No, again. I haven't. No, no you've got no, no, no idea. No, that's misleading. Can, let's, uh, I, I've, let's, I've got a guess. Well, hold can, on. Can let, TC let, see that? Uh, he can at the moment. Um, so we'll just... Let have people at home have another little look and another little guess. We'll give them a bit of time to get their guesses in on um, on Facebook and in on Twitter as well. Uh, well done to Jilly, Jilly, who you know, Matt, who you Jilly shouted at earlier. Jilly Dehaven has form. got it. Uh, she's got it right. So we know that Jilly's got it right. Go on, you can have a little guess. This might be a really bad guess, and I might be embarrassing myself. Whether he was still at the club or not, I think. I'm going Ujoa. Oh, get in. Correct. Get in. Well there done, we that was a good shout. I was Matt. thinking initially Perez, but obviously Perez wasn't at the club then. I'm thinking who would be that advanced? And he looked tall as well, so there we go. 
Yeah. Form continues. Yeah, that's a oh, few in a row you've got these. Yeah, well done, uh, Leonardo. <laughs> I might even win the quiz if we can't get hold of TC. If it's only me, <laughs> if it's me involved, I might have a chance. Uh, Nigel Clark, incidentally, on Facebook, he guessed Gokhan Inler. No, it wasn't him. Uh, Jilly, as we said, well done. You got that right. A couple of people on Twitter uh, as well, Ryan being one of those, um, as did Ojo and Sujay. So well done to those of you that got uh, Leonardo Ojo, because it's quite a difficult one, that one, I think. No, not for me. <laughs> where you know, is he, where you know is he now? You know everything. I, I know he was in Mexico at one point. I think he, he left Leicester for for, Me- for a team in Mexico. I can, I can Google it very quickly if you, if you and Tony want to make small talk with each oh, other. Sure. Uh, no, he, he currently plays as a striker for Spanish club Rayo Vallecano. Have you just Googled that that quick? That quickly, How yeah. did you do that? I just typed it into t- Google. Touch one button. Yeah. <laughs> Vallecano, is he there? Rayo, Rayo Vallecano, according to Wikipedia right now, yeah. Uh, Tony, you'll be pleased to hear, because I know it's it's not your favourite part of Monday evenings, that, that we're going to not do the quiz tonight, just because of the technical difficulties that we've had uh, with your line. So I we're not we're leaving it. it a bit late, yeah. That's a relief. Dan, I'm pleased. I've, listen, I've got to be honest, every time Matt, goes, Matt talks and he, he just turns into a Dalek, so I just don't... <laughs> it looked like one. Dalek is... It, it, well, it'd be the funniest quiz ever, but I'm pleased we're not doing it. As you know, my performances in the quiz this season have been dreadful, so it would have been a comfortable victory for Matt Elliott anyway, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I think Matt's secret... I still managed to lose, mate. Yeah, you're, still se- <laughs> you're secretly disappointed, I think. Um, yeah, West Ham won, Sheffield United nil at, at half-time, Tony. I heard a very interesting stat on the radio as I was, I was coming in today, that West Ham's start this season, or the, the amount of points they've got at this stage of the season, is more than they have done at a top-flight campaign since... Your pomp and your heyday and your partnership with Frank McAvenny. Yeah, the good old days of 1985-86, Dan McGann, but, uh, during the war, a long, long time ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, 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 um, we had our one and only special season because uh, West Ham actually finished third in the end. And um, it was it, it was a bit weird, really, because I think the season before, we, we narrowly finished um, avoiding relegation. Then we finished third. And then the following season, we finished 15th or something ridiculous. So it was very much... a a one-off season, but you know, for West Ham to finish third was a, a fantastic achievement. But you're right, the points total that they've got so far is comparable with that season. But you know, whether they'll sort of maintain their good run, you know, they're in a, they're in a good run of form and they're pushing. But if, if listen, if West Ham can get into Europe, that would be a great achievement by the club. Yeah, that's the first game that's taking place this evening. There's another one as well, Chelsea in action. Uh, this evening, Matt, it escapes me who they're playing against. I know they're at home, Newcastle. New, Newcastle, isn't Newcastle, it, yeah. yeah. Quick prediction. Before we At go. home? Yeah. 2-0. Simple as that. Yeah. Simple Chelsea, as that. of course. 2-0 to Chelsea. All right, well, thanks, Chelsea, thanks yeah. for that prediction. Uh, yeah, well, at least we'll, it wasn't we'll... the usual 2-1, was it? No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I think the fans were dying for another Matt Elliott 2-1 prediction. <laughs> oh, better uh, All right, we'll, we'll leave it there. As we said, no extra time teasers this evening, as Tony will be pleased to hear. But it will be back again next week. Tony, thank you very much for your company. Thank you as Cheers, well. Cheers, Dan. It's been Cheers, hard work. Matt, We'll be back for Match Day Live on Thursday for the game in Prague and, and the big Europa League knockout stage journey starts on Thursday and you can uh, follow it all on LCFC TV from 4 o'clock on Thursday evening. So do join us then.